Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, listeners. I am here today um, with an incredible guest that I met only last week. Uh, Her name is Marjorie. Um, We are going to be getting to know each other a little bit. So um, hi, Marjorie. Hello, Teresa. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, We have about a week and a half of trying to schedule things, which... I think in the in the world of Zoom is very common. So uh, very excited to get to know you a little bit more, like I said. So I want to start us off with, you know, who who is Marjorie? Who are you? <laughs> oh, well, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it's a loaded question, I know. Right, right. It's, yeah. Um, well, one thing that I have discovered about myself, because I am in my 50s now, that um, there are many layers to me. And um, I, you know, I, I grew up in the Bahamas. That's where my family is from. Uh, so I had my childhood there and then came to the States at a young age and um, lived in Miami for 12 years, then moved to Atlanta, Georgia and lived there for 12 years and um, then um, married my then husband and um, moved back to Florida and uh, then went through a very, very traumatic divorce that left me uh, homeless for a little bit and um, really just like threw my life off course and in a totally different direction. Um, but, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to my life. I have a story. I wrote a book. I wrote a a memoir about my, my experience titled who the hell do you think you are? And, um, yeah, I, I, and I shared, um, my story about going from, um, um, an upper middle-class stay-at-home mom to spending the night in jail, then being homeless and having to fight for my child and my dignity and all of that. Um, And then, um, you know, just how I sort of rebuilt my life um, since then. So, yeah. Oh my God. I feel like you've left many lives. (laughs) That's what I said, yes. Where can can our listeners find your book if they want to read up on you? Oh yeah. It's, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon, Marjorie Phoenix. And uh, yeah. Who the hell do you think you are? Mm-hmm. All righty. I love that. I, that's so, that's so interesting. You know, I, I talk, I've talked to a lot of people, uh, mostly um, Floridians. So I, I relate to your experience um, in being an immigrant. I'm from the Dominican Republic myself. Okay. Um, so, yeah. How would you like, how do you think that shaped your vision of the world right now? Like coming from another country, right? Like, which is, I think in some part, immigration can be a little bit traumatic. It is definitely a form of trauma because you're kind yes. of like thrown into this new world. Yes. How do you think that that shaped you like being in the States and how do you kind of keep connected to your roots? How does that work with you? Yeah, well, the interesting thing about that, and I was just telling someone the story last weekend was I came here at the age of 12 and I went into the ninth grade. Oh, 
And so coming into the States, number one, on my own, my parents sent me here on my own to live with family. So I am in high school, 12, you know, ninth grade. And so I'm definitely like, you know, out of my element. Um, And if anyone knows Miami, it was like the Overtown area (laughs) of the city, um, which wasn't so much a big deal in part, because I think the biggest adjustment I was telling folks was, you know, in the Bahamas, it is, you know, there was no um, racism, really, to speak of. Like, we didn't really know about that. Um, And it wasn't until I came into the States that I realized that there was the system. Um, and so, um, so recognizing that and also recognizing my, where I fell in the lines of, of, of privilege or hierarchy based on um, the fact that I wasn't African-American, <laughs> um, you know, or, or even, you know, skin tone or hair texture or the way you speak. All of those things came into play. And so um, so very quickly, I caught on to see, you know, all right, there's, there's a game being played here. <laughs> so, yeah. And so that all of that did really shape, um, did shape me in, in the direction that I, you know, I wanted to go in life. Oh, I, I can imagine. I, you know, in the DR, I can't say the same for the Dominican Republic. Um, colorism is very explicit um, in race. I grew up listening to race, racism all around me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm obviously a lighter skinned Latina and having my, you know, coming from family members, just outward racism. I always felt that that was kind of strange. Like, why is it that that person, because they look different, you know, why, why is, does my family member feel that way? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's this like weird anger. Right. And then coming to the States, it's like, it's, it's systematic. Right. And it's everywhere. everywhere. Um, yeah. And yeah. I guess like from, from that experience, you know, I always try to figure out with our guests, like, what are the struggles that you see, like your community that maybe you experience, right? We talked about systemic racism and um, how kind of that became very apparent here, but what are some of the, some other things that you are kind of noticing as you, you know, in your life, it can be now, um, (laughs) racism is definitely still uh, prevalent. (laughs) Um, but what are some of the other struggles that you can see in the world? Well, I, I, for the from the very beginning, I realized that, that there was this poverty gap, this wealth gap, I should say, actually, right? And there was this big difference between the haves and the have-nots. Um, and I have continued to see that as this running theme in this country that, you know, that I think is, is the biggest Divider. I mean, yeah, we can talk about identities, right? But I think that this this wealth gap and poverty is a really big problem. And so you can see, because I've lived in many different types of neighborhoods, like I said, from from Overtown, Miami, and Opalaka to downtown Atlanta to you know, I'm in the suburbs of Orlando, and so I've been in a lot of, of different environments um, to sort of see like there's a difference between the quality of housing and 
food and, you know, health care in those neighborhoods versus others. Right. And, and I, I think, too, I've been noticing a lot of the um, food deserts. And I was just telling someone at our state assembly, you know, that where I live, there's like a grocery store, like, you know, every five miles or less. There's so many of them around. I have my my pick that I can find fresh produce and 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 food and you know all of that that stuff. And you've got neighborhoods where people have to 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 drive for miles, right? And and what they have available is not giving them the freshest. And that's one thing I just I I I don't understand. And I feel like it is deliberate. Mm. And and I have to say this too, Teresa, because um, although I noticed it when I got married, right? Like I said, I was upper middle class. As soon as I was now divorced on my own, I mean, I, I was on welfare. I was going to the food pantries, I, you know, just trying to make it. I noticed the difference in how resources are available to people. You know, and I think that that was that was another defining moment for me, too, because it's like going from one side of the railroad tracks, as they say it, to the other. Right. And now you're looking at the system and I and I was exposed to it all from the court system, you know, to all of it and just looking and seeing this um, unbalance. You know, and so that is the thing that really started to move me in the direction of doing advocacy work um, and activism work. Not that I didn't have a heart for it before I did, but not at this level. Mm. Right. And I and I think that that's the difference. I think for a lot of us that are that are doing this type of work, especially members of Florida Horizon. Right. I think it's because these things affect us on a personal level and we feel like we've got to be, you know, the ones to do something about it. So I, I always felt like it was um, it was a God thing. <laughs> Um, and, and I'm glad that I went through what I went through because I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. I wouldn't even have the opportunity to do this work at this level. So, um, so really being in that or experiencing that, seeing it firsthand, um, it, it made such a difference, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm, I'm happy that you, you know, see it that way. I'm sorry that you went through that. And I, uh, but I think that, you know, from, from struggle and from challenges, you know, we get these, um, these really great leaders and activists. So I would love to hear more about how you see yourself kind of in the movement, right? Cause we feel like people, you know, so many people are going through a really tough time right now, right? I think the pandemic has been a little bit of a great equalizer. um, And I say great um, with a negative connotation. So a lot of these things that are in place, we can see very clearly who it's affecting, right? And we know that it disproportionately affects the poor, the black and brown people, um, Yes. People that don't have access to resources, like you were just saying, right? That's right. That's right. So, That's right. 
you know, how, you know, if, if I'm someone who is maybe in that, in that place, right. And I have to go to food pantries and I have to be on food stamps and kind of the shame that you have to carry with that, unfortunately, because people are terrible. Um, and systems are there to help people, but they shame you for that's right. that help. Right. Yeah. How do you see, how would you tell someone about how you got involved and maybe encourage them to, to get involved from that place? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I can tell you this. Once I stopped feeling sorry for myself <laughs> and realizing that it it's not just about me. I'm not the only person walking up in there asking for help. <laughs> All right. I am not the only person in this situation. And it, and it took a while, but I realized that if I was going to come out of this, it would have to be around in service to others, in service to my community. I had to give of myself to something much bigger than myself. And I think the pitfall of, of, of that sometimes with people not being able to get out of that is they, they stay in, you know, what's happening. And, and I'm glad you brought this up because I, I, this was another thing that I was just talking about this morning about Everything we see going on around us right now, it is easy to become discouraged, right? Now we'll get out there and we'll march and we'll fight and we'll, you know, and we'll show up. But then there's still like this undercurrent of depression and darkness and sadness where we almost feel like, you know, we're not as hopeful as we used to be, but we know we got to do this, right? And And I think that, we really need to sort of change this idea of seeing um, writing this dystopian story of America to really making it more of a utopian story. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we can start to do that, right, which is what this podcast is all about, right? What would the world look like uh. when you start to think about that? Then you do the work that is direct to that, right? You don't think about what could be happening. You think about what do you want to happen? Mm -hmm. And so we're not now being reactive to everything that's coming down. We're building on what it is we want in our communities. And I think that will put people in a better headspace um, for community organizing and movement building. I love that. I was um, in one of the episodes, Isa mentioned something that just completely changed my mind about the way that I was seeing the movement because we all struggle. We all have a hard time finding the motivation. And she said that somebody imagined this world and made it this way. So Mm. why can't we imagine a world that is better than what already is? And I was like, oh, It just like hit me like a ton of bricks. So like, I, that's why I'm so excited. I'm more excited now to talk about imagining a world, right? So what, what does that world look like to you, Marjorie? Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's fair. Mm -hmm. You know, it's fair. It's, it's, uh, it's a society where every person should have a roof over their heads. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't all they don't all have to be the same size, but everyone's got a roof over their heads. Right. Everyone can afford to live and survive and even thrive. Right. I don't even want us just surviving. I want us thriving because when we thrive, we, we, we bring up others with us. Right. So I would love to see that there shouldn't be a lack of food. There's just too much food in the world for there to be lack. Right. And there and, and there should be this fairness in how people are treated when it comes to the criminal justice system. Right. So there's so many different things that I would love to see, but I think it all boils down to just fairness and we could see each other as you know, and I know this might sound whatever, but a little cheesy, but just as brothers and sisters, yeah. because at the end of the day you know, we're, we, we're all, you know, (laughs) we're just different colors and shapes and (laughs) sizes, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. I love that. I mean, I feel like there's definitely a detriment in the sense of community that we, I think we're beginning to tap into in the pandemic. There was like a moment there. Yes. Yes. Remember that we were all more or less, we were all home. (laughs) We were all like, singing singing stuff on social media together and like cooking banana bread and like yes sharing recipes and and different things doing virtual parties together all of this stuff yeah yeah and but then yeah but then like reality hit and people had to go back (laughs) to work and you know we we can talk all about that but I and I love the point that you made about thriving I think we're in such a yeah. I think we've been in survival mode for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, we need to get vaccinated so that I can go to work so that I can pay for my rent so that I can stay home if there's another lockdown and you're yeah. in this vicious cycle. But it's like, but what are we really doing to mm-hmm. thrive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? How, how, are we, how are we creating the life that we want yeah. for ourselves and others? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so where do you, there's so many possibilities with that question. <laughs> I know. Um, I, we could, we could talk about it for, for <laughs> 24 hours. I feel like, so where do you see yourself contributing to that world that you, that you're imagining? How, how do you see yourself in making that a reality? Well, I really believe in, in this idea of collective leadership. I really do. I, you know, I always quote, you know, be the change you want to see, you know, that that's, that's my quote, because I, I believe it. we are the change. We don't really need to look outside of ourselves um, to government or politicians. We have the power. So for me, I would really like to help galvanize that with people to let them see that they have the power um, to do that in their communities. Um, and also, you know, in my work with nonprofits, cause I also founded my own nonprofit, I, you know, really want to start thinking about the way we go about, um, really trying to solve social issues. Um, I think we've been doing it the same way for, for so long. We have been reactionary, and um, I think it's up to us. I think Florida Rising does a great job at that, at raising up leaders in the community. Um, and so I think that a lot of organizations could really be doing that. So um, I want to be a part of that and helping 
nonprofits reimagine, you know, what that could look like for them in the future. So it's really about this collective leadership. Yeah. I love that. I love building people up. I love empowering people because we alone can do a lot of good, but together we can do it. And you know, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Most definitely. We ask every single one of our guests this question um, in that same realm of imagining. So imagine that you are given an absurd amount of money and you're able to put up a billboard in a highway from your community that everybody in your community can see every day as they go to work, as they do their, you know, their everyday life stuff. What would that billboard say? That's really a question I should have been pondering before this moment. Well, but just, we, we like to we like to get we like to keep it to the end and we like to keep it a secret so people get <laughs> their gut like their gut reaction, their gut response. Well, the, my gut reaction was a question. Okay. And I and the question would be, who have you helped today? Ooh, I like that. It's a question, yeah. but it's an action too. Yeah. Yeah. To really make you think, who have you helped today? Yeah. yeah. Is there like an image or like a picture, colors that are coming no, up? No, no. It, it would probably be just black with white letters, Ooh. you know, just to get your attention as you're driving down the highway. <laughs> <laughs> but safely, of course. It's yes, a, yes, a traffic jam. People are being safe. Um, I love that. I, I would, that would definitely stick into my mind and I would be a little more aware of who I'm helping. So I love that. Yeah. It's self-reflective because I think, you know, it's important for us to be self-reflective. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Marjorie, for being with us today at every every block rising (laughs) week. I'm sorry, listeners. It is the end of the day. Um, thank you so much for, for, for your time today. We appreciate you. Um, do you want to leave our listeners with any, any last words or or thoughts or recommendations for things to do if they want to get involved? Oh, wow. Well, I do want to reiterate what I said before. If you're listening to this, you can be the change. You have the power and you can actually start leading people in your own community. So if there's something that you're thinking about that you really want to be a part of the solution, start with yourself, then you can bring people together. It doesn't have to be huge. You can do some of the smallest things, just conversations, but you are the change you are seeking in this world. Remember that. Amazing. Thank you, Marjorie. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We appreciate you. If you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us, make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member. Until next time.